welcome to the podcast for Winton Baptist Church. We hope to encourage you in your walk with Christ through the teaching of God's Word, posting our Sunday messages online and other periodic devotionals to keep your faith strong in Jesus. Check out our website at wintonbaptist.com for more ways to connect with us. We would love to hear from you. Be encouraged, and may the Lord bless you always. We're continuing our series on the Beatitudes, on the Sermon on the Mount, and we are at Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. If you want, got your Bibles, you want to turn there, your smartphones, open up your Bible app uh, for that, and uh, we'll follow along with me. Uh, and our, our series on the Sermon on the Mount, we, we're coming to this morning. This verse is so uh, pertinent to what we're going through in our time. What, what a verse it is. We are in the midst of great strife in our world uh, we are getting through it. We're moving on. We're adjusting. All of us have made certain adjustments, and we're continuing to make uh, adjustments. But uh, we're, we're hoping for better days. You're hoping for better days. I'm hoping for better days. There's going to be better days ahead. And maybe perhaps we can get some kind of reassurance uh, that this is not going to last forever. This COVID-19, the masks, and this, the situations that we're in. You see, when Jesus was preaching to the disciples and to the crowd about these Beatitudes, He wasn't just speaking in a vacuum. He wasn't just saying to them, okay, this is something you might want to consider, or you know, keep, it, keep this in mind, by the way. He wasn't saying that. He didn't have that kind of attitude when He was teaching this truth to them. Uh, this was the Son of God. This was Jesus Christ. This was the Messiah who had come to bring light into a world of Darkness. The religious leaders had failed to teach others to follow God as uh, the Word had commanded them to. They'd failed in, in, in their duty to do that. And so Jesus was accomplishing His mission of doing everything that the Father had told Him to do. And so the question that many are asking now goes something like this. When is all this going to be over? Uh, when are things going to get back to normal? Hopefully many are asking the question as well. I hope you're asking this question as well. Maybe you've asked this question so far at some point during the midst of all these, these probably four to five, six months we've been in this. Hopefully at some point you've asked this question, uh, what is God saying to me through this? What's God teaching me? What lesson do I uh, learn from this? God, can you teach me something through this? Because yes, there is a lesson to learn uh, in this. And, and I just want to pause for a moment and ask this uh, kind of rhetorically. Do you ask that question when you're in the midst of suffering? When you're going through something, is, is that your immediate go-to question? Or maybe not immediate, but some point in the journey, are you asking that question to God? God, what's the point of my suffering? God, what, what can I learn through this suffering? God, is there a willingness in your spirit to be teachable by God from what, you, what you're going through? And if there's a way we can sum up our collective feelings, it might be uh, asking this question. When will there be peace? When will there be peace? If you'll remember last week, we spoke of the depth of the sinfulness of the human heart. We can all agree that my heart, your heart, man's heart is sinful. It was utterly deceitful, uh, Jeremiah 17, 9, and no one can understand the depths of how evil the human heart is. And what led to that, the sin of Adam and Eve, uh, led to that because of their disobedience. And the serpent who deceived them, the Lord put a curse on them. The Lord cursed us with death. 
But the Lord also put enmity between the, the offspring of the serpent and the offspring of Eve. Uh, enmity meaning hostility. Uh, they're against each other. That's what the word enmity means. There's a, a, a strong opposition between the two. So there's opposition between Eve's offspring and Satan's offspring. Eve's offspring, fast forward all the way into the New Testament gospel. We know that uh, ultimately Jesus Christ is uh, the offspring of Eve. She, he is the fulfillment of the blessing of Abraham. I'm going to bless every nation on earth through you. I'll make your descendants as numerous as the sand of the sea. Remember that? The sand? That's part of the blessing. But what happens here, uh, because of that enmity, that division, that, that hostility, what? There's no peace. There's still no peace in our midst. There's still strife and struggle going on. There's a lack of peace. There's, if you would agree with me, there's a deficit of peace in our world right now. There's a deficit of peace. So what do we do? But see, we can be peacemakers. We can be peacemakers according to Scripture, according to our verse this morning. We can have an effect, watch this, on the peacefulness of others. We can have an effect on how people experience peace in their lives. The, the peace that others might experience if we go about the business of being peacemakers. And, and for the kiddos in the audience, if you'll do this, if you'll write, write a hash mark for the, every time I say the word peace, we'll see how many hash marks you get. Hash word for the, every time I say the word peace this morning. Maybe adults, if you want to do that too, to keep, you, keep yourself awake. I'm going to say the word peace a lot this morning, okay? So get, that, get, the, get those pencils and pens ready. Hash mark for every time I say the word peace, go, okay? You see, we can be peacemakers if we go about the business of being peacemakers. There's three needs uh, regarding peace in our lives. Here's the first need. There's a need for giving and receiving peace. Uh, there's a need for that. Jesus pointed in this beatitude uh, to a truth about peace. There are people who are involved in the process of peace, giving and receiving peace. To be a peacemaker, watch this. To be a peacemaker, you've got to be intentional about giving peace. Uh, you're intentional about causing strife to cease around you. Strife and struggle of those around you. You're, you're, are you a strife maker or are you a strife eliminator? In essence, what is it that characterizes your life and your actions that peace becomes a byproduct of others' experience uh, because they've simply been around you or they've been in your orbit? Jesus spoke of this type of person, watch this, when he sent out the 72 in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 uh, verses 5 and 6 state this. It says, Whatever house you enter first, say, Peace uh, to this household. If a person uh, of peace is there, uh, your peace will rest on him. Uh, but if not, it will return to you. You see, Jesus told them, the 72, uh, to pursue people of peace. So we know that there are people of peace in the world. There are persons of peace and the people of peace, this, if you're a person of peace, you're going to have a certain kind of a, a, a characteristic. You have a certain kind of qualities in your life. Jesus knew the value of peacemakers. That's why he sent the 72, the, the people, the first evangelists, he sent them out to seek who? Seek out the peacemakers in the villages. They're going to help you out. So how can we be peacemakers? He knew the potential impact uh, that they could have on these 72. If, if, if I send these 72 and they encounter peacemakers, then they're going to be effective in their ministry. They're going to succeed because they're encountering peacemakers. The whole village will be impacted because of that one peacemaker that they meet. So peacemakers 
are important. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. See, there's a need for giving and receiving peace. You know examples of peacemakers, peace givers? Those like the ones Jesus spoke of, those who are welcoming. What kind of characteristics does a peace giver have? Those who are welcoming, those who are receptive to new relationships and, and new possibilities. They welcome the new guy. They don't shy away or, or, or meeting a knee if he'll help someone. That's what a peacemaker, that's what a peace giver does. A person who gives peace, they're very welcoming and warm and, and receiving. And so people are going to naturally be drawn to them. But the, the peacemaker is also going to be giving peace to that person. Peace is going to be brought into that person's world because of the characteristics of this person. I want to tell you the story of a man named James. James lives in Wilmington. And he ran a ministry I've told you about earlier called the Mercy House. This, this house was a shelter for men. Uh, they'd, stay, they'd pay 20 bucks to stay there on a weekly basis. Uh, different men would go to the shelter each week. And mostly they, they brought everything they had. They brought all their belongings with them. They'd take, <clears throat> they'd take their belongings and they'd put their belongings under the beds. They had these you know, bunk beds, uh, a long row. You can kind of imagine uh, several sections of bunk beds. And so the men would take their belongings and either put them under the bed or put them on, on top of the bed. Well, during Christmas one year, we, I brought our, our youth group there, and we sang Christmas carols to them outside, and some of the men came out on the porch and sat and listened to us. And after we were done, the adults and kids got back on the bus, and I went inside to meet with James and some of the men. And we brought, I brought them uh, gifts from the church, food, clothing, uh, that kind of thing, and a financial gift there. And so as I was giving the, the money there and, and, and gifts to James, I noticed there was a skirmish. James is a deacon in his church, and there was a skirmish among some of the men. One of the men, just after we'd done this nice caroling thing, and the mood was festive and all that, one of the men got really upset at the other, uh, another man in, in, the, in the shelter. And there was struggle there. There's a, a, a fight was about to break out, so I'm thinking, I need to get out here real quick. I need, I need to really, hey guys, love you, Merry Christmas, got to go by. Uh, you know, got to get out real quick, because I, I don't, you know, I don't do well with conflict sometimes. Uh, so I want to try to uh, do that, and so James stepped in. I saw what James did. James kind of, he kind of got in front of me. Uh, you know, he said, Pastor Deck, hold up, you know, and don't go anywhere. So he, he, he talked to the two men. He calmed them down. He calmed them down. They, they were, one guy had potentially taken another guy's stuff, and he was accusing him of stealing his stuff, and sometimes that happens. But as I saw James jump in the middle of that, he, he jumped. He calmed the situation down. James was a peacemaker. James gave peace to the mercy house. He really did. He was a deacon in his church. He served the men. He served his God. I'm not sure how many times James had to calm people down there. But you see, he, James knew what the alternative was for these men. The street. The street was the alternative. James knew this. James was on the street before. God had brought him out of that. If he could keep peace, the men would see better days, just like James did. They could keep the peace. You see, we must be peace givers. There's value in other people. Why? Because God made them. Did you know God made you? God made you. Look at your neighbor and say, God made you. That's right. God made you. God loves you so much. And guess what? That's enough. Church, that's enough. God made you, and that's enough. It's when we add on the layers of labels and circumstances and histories that it gets all muddied up. Look to be a peace giver to those who need peace. In their lives, we've established that sin causes a lack of peace in people's lives. Now, we, be, we need to be on the lookout for those who also need peace. 
Who needs the peace of God in their lives that you're around? Who needs you to be a peace giver for them, a peacemaker for them? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called, what? Sons of God. Sons of God. Give peace through meeting someone where they are. Meeting someone in their most vulnerable spot. The men James met were out of money, out of time. Uh, they were out of a home. The James in the mercy house loved them. He brought them peace. Now, you can bring your, your, your uh, peace to your co-workers. If they don't give it back to you, let it return to you. That's okay. That's what Jesus said. Let it return to you. If your peace doesn't go, go if you don't, you give peace to the folks you visit and it doesn't return to you, that's okay. Uh, you, know, you know, you can give uh, peace. What, what was Jesus' command to the, to the guys who did that? Uh, if they met a peacemaker, if they did make a peace, make, meet a peacemaker, they'd go out and sit the street of the town and they would shake the dust off their feet. And they would say, we came to you with this message and you didn't greet us. You didn't receive us. So we shake the dust off of our feet. This town, uh, you're, you're going to be judged because you didn't receive us. It'll be better. Jesus even said it's going to be better for, for uh, Sodom on that day than this town because they rejected uh, his gift, his, his invitation to them. And we're going to see that even more uh, as we talk about peace. You see, they didn't encourage peacemaking and peace giving. There's a need for people who give and receive peace. But there's also a solution for this. The solution for giving and receiving peace. Jesus promised to every believer the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. If the disciples were to be peacemakers, they would have to be listening uh, to Jesus' sermon. If, if Jesus' sermon have any kind of impression or impact on their lives, you know, they're going to have to look beyond themselves. We can't look to ourselves for the answer. You know, you hear this phrase, listen to me quickly. You hear this phrase, look deep within yourself. Look inside of yourself. Church family, don't do that. Don't look inside of yourself because deep inside of yourself is a sinful heart. We need the Lord Jesus inside of our hearts. Don't look to look to the Savior. Jesus Christ will give you peace in your life. He will replace that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. It's not about the self. It's about the Savior inside of you. And Jesus knew that when he was preaching to the disciples. He was saying to them, if you're going to have peace, you must have me. If you're going to have peace, you must have me. We've seen the peace that the world gives. It's not very lasting. You remember the peace of Rome? You go back in history buffs, you go back to Rome. How did Rome keep the peace? Well, they, they kept the peace through conquering and violence and a heavy hand of the government. That's not real. That's not lasting peace. It goes away. If you want to be a peacemaker, a person who gives peace into people's lives, and a person who brings peace, you must start with Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, there's simply no way you're going to have uh, lasting peace. The problems are going to pile on and the relationships are going to drain you and there's going to be drama and it's just going to take a lot of your time. The only way you're going to have peace is to have a real relationship with Jesus. Here's how Jesus puts it to his disciples just before he's about to leave them. So you can imagine this. You're spending all this time with this prophet, this rabbi, this amazing teacher. You're walking around, you're following, and he's doing these wonderful miracles. You're spending three years with him and all of a sudden he says, okay guys, next week I'm going to leave you. See you later. Bye. Imagine what that does to you. Imagine what that does to your spirit. How in the world can, we've left everything for you. That's what Peter said. We've left everything for you. Jesus says, he, he knew that the disciples were going to face something uh, challenging, very challenging. Persecution, he knew they were going to first face persecution. We're going to get into that next week. But he was uh, going to give them something 
in place of himself. He's about to leave them. And so Jesus is going to reassure them with these words in John, John 14, 27. Look what Jesus says here in John 14, 27. He says this, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. You see, just before Jesus spoke these words, he told them of a counselor that he would leave with them, the promised Holy Spirit. That's Jesus, that's God in the third person, the third person of the Trinity uh, we don't speak about much, the Holy Spirit. He is inside of every believer. So the Holy Spirit gives us peace, the promised Holy Spirit. That's how we have an accurate translation of Scripture. The Holy Spirit told, told the disciples everything that Jesus said. He said, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of everything I said. That's why we have such a great translation of Scripture. Uh, the, reg, uh, the Holy Spirit reminding regular men of what Jesus said. This peace would prove more valuable to the disciples in the face of persecution. And so, you know, Jesus ended the Beatitudes of not roses and daffodils. He ended, the, ended the, this section of the Beatitudes with persecution. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to, you're going to, people are going to be talking about you. People are going to be lying about you. Uh, that's how he's ending this section of the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus knew that the disciples were going to face persecution. They would need, they would need real peace in their lives. They're, they're going to need real peace because something's coming. And Jesus knew that. He, he knew ultimately they would need him to help them get through. That's what we all need. We need him to help us get through. We need him to help us get through. They would need assurance that Jesus would still be with them like he is now. That's our assurance that we have, church. Jesus is still with us. Emmanuel, God with us. We don't have to wait till Christmas to understand the presence of God is with us. It's a reality. Jesus is with us. The solution to strife and conflict and struggle in our lives is the presence of Jesus through the indwelling Holy Spirit. How do, how do we get this peace? I've been saying peace a lot. I don't know how many times I've said it. I've been saying peace a lot. How do we get this peace? Well, we pray. We pray. We communicate to the Father through prayer. And something amazing happens. Just like Jesus promised, we are given a sense of peace. Real peace. Lasting peace. Peace not as the world gives. But what? Watch this. In Philippians 4, 6-7. It says this. You, you, you know this passage well. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says this. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the what? Peace. Thank you. And the peace of God. Somebody's listening. Which, was, which surpasses all understanding. Which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Peace. That's amazing peace. Prayer is the gateway to peace. Prayer ushers in the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus promised to all who believe. We have all the Holy Spirit we need. We just need to be in communication and submission to His will. That's what prayer does. You want peace in your home? Pray more. You want peace in your marriage? Pray more. You want peace in your workplace? Pray more. You want peace in your school? Pray more. Watch this. The peace just doesn't magically appear out of nowhere. The peace is given to those who pray. So if you're not praying, where's the peace coming from? Get on your knees and pray to God. Increase your prayer life to God. Pray with your family. Let them see you pray. 
Let them see you get on your knees in front of your bed or wherever you kneel. Let them see you kneel before God. Let them see you bow your head before God. We do that. Let them see you close your eyes before God. We do that. Why? To remove the distractions because the world is so chaotic. We need prayer. The peace is given to those who pray. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus, not in anything else. That peace is going to guard our hearts in Christ Jesus. Are we seeing trouble in our world? We need to pray more. Are we seeing trouble with our health? We need to pray more. Are we seeing trouble with our family? We need to pray more. Strife should not cause us to fear. Remember what Jesus said? He said, don't fear. Don't be afraid. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will provide a presence of peace that we can't understand. We can't understand it. Worried about the coronavirus? Pray. Pray. Use wisdom. Yes, of course. Understand that. Use wisdom. Pray. You know, is someone else worried about the coronavirus or getting it? If you, you pray for them, would you put them on your prayer list? Several things are going to happen when you do this. You're going to get a peace in your heart about God taking care of them in his time. God's got this. We've said this a lot. God's got this. God's going to take care of them. God's going to take care of their family. We believe that. That's why we pray. God, pray for the family of so-and-so. That's why we pray, because we believe God can do it. Or otherwise, we wouldn't pray, and we shouldn't pray if we don't believe that. God can do it. God will do it. We have this phrase. I love this. A lot of our our folks say this, and and I say it too. Uh, It's all good. It's all good. And that's absolutely true. If there's a phrase that summarizes Romans 8, Romans 8, 28, it's all good. Romans 8, 28 says this. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. All things, not just the good things and just the bad things, all things. Work for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. That's what we're talking about. And also, we're going to see God begin to work in their hearts. When we pray for people, it's, it's working for their good. This, this suffering, this, this struggle, this trial, it's working. God's got some good ahead. Maybe we can't see it right now, but God's got some good ahead in it. And that's hard. And as a pastor, I've walked with people in deep pain. And you, you simply just can't sit before them and say, God's got a purpose in this. Uh, you have to use, be careful in the moment. and Don't be insensitive and say things like that. We know that's a reality and a truth. We've got to minister to them in mercy and grace. But also we understand that, yes, God does have a purpose in this. God's going to get them through it. God's going to get us through this coronavirus. This is not too, too difficult for God. It, it is not. We need to trust God. We need to understand that God's going to bring us peace. God's going to work in our hearts. We need to pray to the Lord for his peace in our lives, and it will happen. We won't understand how this is happening. He doesn't give as the world gives. It's not God's style. There's a need for peace. There's a way of peace, but also there's the results of peace. We assume that people who meet King Jesus will receive him and enjoy peace forever. That's what we assume. That, oh, somebody's going to meet Jesus and they're just going to go, glory to heaven. Great. You know, this going to be hunky-dory all the way. That's, that's not the reality all the time. Uh, you know, while that may be hopeful, it, it is true that there are going to be some who reject Jesus' offer of peace. Uh, the results are not like we expect sometimes. There's going to be those who reject Christ's offer of peace. That's one result. Uh, we see this, you know, also clearly in Passion Week is as Jesus approached the cross. We're studying this in, our, in the book of Mark and as he, on Wednesday nights. As he entered Jerusalem, and, and that's something, the, the Jerusalem, that's the city of peace. Jerusalem, it's the city of peace, God's peace. And G, as he was entering the city to go to the cross, the city of peace, Jesus said this, 
about them. Luke 19, 41 through 44. As he approached and saw the city, he wept for it. Jesus wept for the city. Is Jesus weeping for Winton? Is he weeping for Hereford County? Is he weeping for North Carolina? As he approached and saw the city, you can insert Winton in there. He wept for it. If you knew this day what would bring peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes, for the days will come on you when your enemies will build a barricade around you, surround you, and hem you in on every side. They will crush you and your children and among you to the ground, and they will not leave one stone or another in your midst because you did not recognize the time when God visited you. Yes, a lot of that's prophesying about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. But also for us, the phrase there, did not, did not recognize the time there at the end of verse 40, 44. That's rejection. You, did, you rejected God. Are there those who will reject God? When Jesus comes, maybe perhaps through you or through another person, pray that that person doesn't reject God. Pray that that person receives the peace of God through Jesus Christ. We need to seek to be givers of peace. When people of peace are used by God, you know, the 72 that we, Jesus sent out and said, go find some people of peace and then get to work with them. Let's get going. Let's get working and doing God's ministry. When the 72 found uh, those persons of peace, watch what happens to the results. Luke 10, 17. They come back. It says, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons uh, submit to us in your name. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice, watch this, that your names are written in heaven. That your names are written in heaven. True peacemakers, what does it say? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Sons of God. That's the reality. Sons of of God. They are the offspring of Eve. They are the offspring of Abraham. Sons of the living God. God is their father. Their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Can you say that? Are you a peacemaker in your home, in your world, the people around you? Do you give peace or do you create strife? God wants you to be a peacemaker. God wants you to seek his peace if you're going through struggle. You can have the peace that passes all understanding. You got to pray You've got to connect with the Father. It's just not going to happen one hour on Sunday. I can't do it for you. You've got to have that connection with God, that supernatural connection with God. There's so many ways you can pray. Just begin with a small sentence. God, I love you. God, I'm here. And just begin to talk naturally to God in your prayers, and the Holy Spirit's going to teach you how to communicate with Him. It doesn't have to be hard, flowery language, but you've got to pray. You've got to pray. If you're not praying, if you're not praying enough, begin praying. You can be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let's pray. Oh God, we long for peace in our world. The only peace that we can have, God, is through your Son, Jesus Christ. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through you, Lord Jesus. Jesus in us, Emmanuel, God with us. The presence of the Holy Spirit is in every believer. Are we listening to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity? Have we, have we quenched the Spirit's power in our life through sin or neglect or, or laziness? Oh, God, forgive us. 
May we return to you, Lord, in this time of, of reflection, this time of suffering, this time of the virus, the COVID-19. Lord God, you're getting our attention. I pray that we listen and we're aware of that, Lord. We seek your peace. We seek to be peacemakers to those around us. There are many lives who are anxious right now. There are many lives who are in struggle and turmoil. Can you use the people in this church, Lord, to bring your peace to those who need it? Let us be salt and light, Lord, in a dark world. Lord, there may be some here today who, who need to say, yes, I know someone who needs peace, and I, I need to be obedient and, and go help them have peace and show them your peace that's in me. I don't want to hide it under a bushel. If that's, that's, the, if, if that's you and you hear, you hear me saying that and God's convicting you, you pray about that. You pray, God, I need to use this. You need to use me, and I want to be obedient, and I just need to go and, and, and move in faith. And you're going to move, and uh, they, I need, they need to trust you, God, and move in faith and not wait any longer for somebody else to do it. God, you called them. You've empowered me, Lord. You empowered this church by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you for your peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, Lord. You do your work today, Lord. We ask these things in your name. Amen.